morning for me uh, and for several of us because it's the culmination of about seven months of work. Uh, we have been considering our future at Green Tree. We've been talking about uh, the MOVE initiative for the last two years, moving hearts, moving home, and moving beyond. Uh, clearly right now, moving home is one of our top priorities as we enter into uh, roughly the final four, three and a half to four months of construction. And so it's a time when we have stepped back and we have basically just reevaluated everything about Green Tree. And one of the outcomes of that is that uh, what we're going to experience this morning is we're going to be introducing to you our new branding uh, and our new logo, but we're not just going to be showing it to you in the context of the imagery, but rather we want to understand together uh, the biblical foundation for uh, what we're going to be using to introduce ourselves to our community of Kirkwood. So today... You're going to be hearing about branding, you're going to be seeing uh, the new logo, you're going to hear a little bit at the very end of the service, uh, Peggy Dimitri, uh, we, we begged and pleaded with her to come and share with you about the website, and she's going to do that. She, she doesn't always enjoy speaking in front of folks, but uh, she will share that with you towards the end of the service, uh, because as I said, it's a time of transition, it's a time of change, it's a time also I think of challenge and of opportunity. It's a chance for all of us to take seriously uh, who we are in Christ Jesus and what is his call on our lives individually as disciples of Jesus as well as corporately. So with that in mind, let me get the bad news out of the way first. For those of you that have been here a while, uh, you may think we're nuts, but the tree's got to go. <laughs> oh, I know it is very sad, isn't it? And so... There's little Tommy with his axe in his hand, and the, the tree is not looking happy, but uh, we're going to go in a different direction with our, uh, with our logo, and there's reasons for that, and they're, they're based on some research we've done. It's not just that I'd love to cut down trees, uh, but the first of which, I'm going to give you three reasons, uh, believe it or not, that tree is about 18 years old, and uh, the very first founding parents of Green Tree. Uh, pick that logo out. When I, when I first joined the team and we came to worship together uh, as a family in the fall of 98, and then I started as the pastor in January of 99, the tree was already probably at that point uh, at least a year old. And so it's been around quite a while. But secondly, the prob one of the problems is there are a lot of tree logos in Kirkwood. I don't know if you've ever been to a trivia night where they put corporate logos up, but they don't give you the name and you got to guess what that is. So one thing that Peggy Dimitri did when she rolled this out to our staff and elders, we played a logo game, and at the very end, there were five different trees, all of which were logos of companies or businesses in Kirkwood, most of which looked exactly like our trees, and none of which was ours. And so you, you can't find Green Tree Community Church by looking at a, a green tree. Uh, as you're driving through town, there's nothing that's going to distinguish us by the tree. So that's, that's part of it. And then the last one kind of... To go with that, we, we literally have lost uh, our distinction. So the fundamental question that we've been asking uh, for the last several months is, is this. Is again, as we're kind of, all of this is coming together at the same time. How do we stand out? How do we become easily, excuse me, recognizable while remaining true to our calling? And I've given you just a, a portion of our mission statement this morning. But that is to follow Jesus in joyful obedience by growing disciples renewing communities and planting churches. And if you've been at Green Tree for a year or so, you're probably familiar with that statement. And 
how do you, how do you become easily identifiable but don't change the core of who you are? That's the question with which we've been wrestling because we're not going to stop preaching the gospel. We're not going to try to become trendy for the sake of becoming trendy, but we live in a very visual world. We live in an electronic world. We live in a world where the vast majority of our visitors actually find us on our website before they find us here at North Kirkwood Middle School. So how do we set ourselves apart in a way that uh, allows folks to find us and go, oh yeah, that's that church, whether or not they can actually put a name on it, uh, can find Green Tree in a way that we would stand out while remaining true to who God's called us to be. So with that in mind, this is what uh, we've decided, what we've come up with. Well, I didn't know you were going to clap. Let's just close in prayer and go eat cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't tease us, Tom. Don't, don't do that to us. Don't do that to us. Uh, as I did say, though, however, we do want to share with you the biblical foundation behind uh, the new branding and the new logo. And what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to talk for just a few minutes uh, about the image on the far left of the screen. Uh, as you look at it, and then the, the middle part of the screen, the name, is, should be pretty recognizable to all of us. And then we're going to talk about each one of the taglines, which I don't know if you guys can see that all the way in the back. Dig in, branch out, and live it up. And we're going to talk about each one of those individually and talk about it in terms of our vision. And clearly, uh, you've seen before I begin to talk about the, the acorn that it, it's on the front of this, uh, this pulpit this morning. This is actually... Uh, a pulpit that was created by Steve Palmer, who's an artist here in Kirk. Is Steve here? Are you here, Steve? I, it's kind of dark in here, but would you stand up at least so everybody can see you? I know they probably told you I wouldn't do that to you. So it, we wanted to bring it out so you can see this morning. Then it's going to go away, and you won't see it again until we're in the, in the new building because they're afraid that I'll scratch and dent and break it. But it's made out of walnut. I'm not sure I could hurt it. But this is absolutely wonderful masterpiece. Steve, thank you for uh, the amazing work you've put into this. But I want to talk a little bit about, the, uh, about the, the imagery, and I want to do so in terms of Scripture. So when you see that, one of the things you see is a seed. You see an acorn, and if you go in your Bible, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen, to Psalm 126, verse 6, the psalmist says this, talking about the farmer. He goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. In other words, when it's springtime and you got to go plant the seed, you're, you know, you're not jumping for joy when the alarm clock goes off at 4 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because it's hard work. It takes a lot to get a field ready and to plant a lot of seeds in order to get a harvest. So when you're facing the job, when you're looking at the task that's before you, when it's at the moment where you've got to roll up your sleeves and know that, that you've got to get after it, that's not the moment where you're going, boy, isn't, isn't life just really great? You know, it's like if I hear that alarm go off one more morning at 4 in the morning, I think I'm going to throw it out the window. And we need to understand the challenge that is before us. God has called us to partner with him in building his kingdom. It just so happens that he's called us to Green Tree Community Church. But wherever we find ourselves in this particular church family, we need to understand that part of what we're called to do is spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, metaphorically, to plant seed. And that takes hard work. That takes commitment. That takes sacrifice. We, we're almost to the end of our first two-year initiative of our one fund, and we're going to turn around and go again at that in the fall for another two years. Why? Because we need to be able to move home in a way that is financially responsible. That takes sacrifice on my part. That takes sacrifice on your part. 
to share the gospel with someone, to be trained in, in talking to someone about Jesus, to make the effort to make sure that when you're with friends who don't know Christ, that you could actually give them a response to your faith. That takes some energy. It takes some effort. It takes some guts to say to somebody, hey, would you like to go to church with me? And so the psalmist rightly identifies that as you're starting out on the trail of work, it, it kind of makes you maybe sometimes want to sit down and cry, and yet you don't. Why? Because you know what's coming. You know that you're going to come home in the fall with shouts of joy bringing in your harvest. We know that if we are faithful to God's calling in our lives, he will be faithful to provide the harvest. So one of the things that we need to be thinking about as we get ready to move home is our, our own personal commitment level. Again, not just to Green Tree, in fact, not primarily to Green Tree at all, but to the Lord Jesus himself. And as we do that, we reflect on how we together uh, can, can get into the going out weeping and yet knowing what God is going to provide for us. The second verse I want to share for you when it comes to this imagery is out of Matthew 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's telling them a story about a guy that goes out and he plants his field. So it's kind of the same idea, Psalm 126. And Jesus acknowledges earlier in this teaching, that part we're not putting on the screen, that some seeds fall on the rocky soil, some seeds fall among the thorns, some seeds fall along the pathway, they get eaten by the birds, but there are seeds that fall on good soil. The place that's been tilled, the place that's ready to receive the seed and to nurture it and to have it grow. And this is the one who hears the word and understands it. That person bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. In other words, Jesus is saying to you and me, we don't have to worry about the harvest. That's his part of it. He calls us to be the ones who plant the seeds. He calls us to be the ones to, to have enough nerve to share the gospel with a friend. To be the ones who look at our, our weekly schedule and say, how can I build the kingdom of God in, into my life on a daily basis? How can I grow in Christ? If we do that, what he says is God is already at work and there's going to be a harvest. And that's really reassuring to me as I think about the ministry and life of Green Tree. I think about you guys individually out in offices and schools and neighborhoods. I think about the, the different places I find myself during the week and wanting to tell people about Jesus. It's, a, it's very reaffirming to know that as we are faithful, he's already before us being faithful to us. The third passage I want to share with you in, in terms of our logo, in terms of the, the, the acorn over there, is Paul's admonition to the Corinthians to say, you have a choice to make. You can, you can sow a little bit. You can kind of make it a casual thing that you do every once in a while. But that what you'll get out of that is, is a pretty sparse harvest, or you can really be serious about it. Now, this is something that, you know, from our earliest ages, if we grew up in a home where our parents, you know, were, were pretty stable and moving in a good direction, they would say to us things like, you get out what you put in. So this isn't news to us this morning. We will, we will get the harvest at Green Tree that reflects our seed planting, that reflects our investment. If I never talk to anybody about Jesus, I'll probably never lead anybody to Jesus. It's pretty much that simple. If I talk to one person every five years about Jesus, then, then maybe in my lifetime, maybe I'll lead one or two people to Jesus. If I invest in the kingdom of God sparingly, I'm going to, to, to receive sparingly. However, I have a choice. I can, again, I can kind of roll up my sleeves and get after it. I can be part of what God is doing, and God promises us that if that occurs, he's going to provide a bountiful harvest. And as he, Paul reaffirms in verse 10, God is the one who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food. 
He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the picture of this acorn kind of splitting apart uh, and having different colors representing you know, different uh, areas of our community and different individuals that are reached with the gospel is this notion of God is, is calling us to be seed planters and he promises that if we do that, if we follow him in that faithfully, he promises outcomes that reflect our investment in order to grow his kingdom. The other thing that the seed represented to me when I saw it is it represents the future. Uh, and I love the past of Green Tree Community Church. I, this has been, I'm not going to cry, I promise, but this has been just an amazing experience in my life, in the life of my family. And to, to think back on the last 17-ish years and the experience that we've had, let alone the friends that we've made and the people that God's allowed us uh, to walk with in our journey is truly remarkable, but that's the past. And it has a place in our lives, but God is calling us to look forward. God's moving us, literally, to a new location. I think part of that move is looking forward. And, and what the seed says to me is potential. The seed says to me is that, that you put it in the ground and there's going to be something that's coming. And we're getting a chance to kind of, kind of reseed the field, so to speak, as we consider moving home. But there's one last verse because there's one thing I haven't talked about, uh, the obvious thing. And that is that what is breaking that seed apart, what is opening it up is the cross of Jesus. So the seeds that we plant are seeds of the gospel. They're not seeds of just of good works. They're not seeds of, gee, we, let's hang in there together and maybe we can get through this without too many scars, right? The, the, what's breaking open the seed is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, we preach Christ and him crucified. So whether we're in a school cafeteria, whether we're in a new building at 100 Kirkwood Place, whether we're at Party in the Park on, uh, on a Sunday morning in June, we're having a worship service at the amphitheater. Wherever we find ourselves, we continue to preach Christ. The only reason the seed bears fruit is because of what Jesus has done. So that's why when we saw the acorn, we just kind of all went, wow, that, that is, that's really it. That just hits the nail on the head. And that's why um, Steve uh, so graciously came up with this notion of, of putting uh, the acorn on the front of the pulpit. Uh, because it reminds you what the sermon's supposed to be about. And if the sermon stops being about that, then you go find a new preacher. Because it, that's what it always must be. Because that is life, right? So we looked at the acorn, we looked at the cross, and we went home run. But then we came up uh, to, this, to this tagline, dig in, branch out, and live it up. And we're going to go in a little bit different direction for the rest of the sermon. I'm going to talk about each one of these for just a few minutes, for, for four or five minutes for each one. But then each one of them, I've asked one person at Green Tree to come and talk about what it means to them. So we're actually going to intersperse the sermon with three stories. So our first part of our tagline is dig in. Uh, and, and that's pretty straightforward. It, it kind of makes sense with the imagery of the seed. But also in the sense of our, our relationship with Jesus, Paul says, talking about our faith in Christ in Colossians 2, he says that we're rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith, just as we were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We don't want you to dig into Green Tree. We want you to dig into Jesus. We don't want to dig into Green Tree as if the church itself existed for the sake of the church. The church exists in order that we can have a relationship by faith with Jesus. That's what I love about this verse. That we are rooted and built up. Why and how? Established in faith. It's our trust in Christ. So what do we dig into? We dig into the Word of God. 
whether the sermon is topical or whether the sermon is actually covering a particular book of the Bible or a particular passage of the Bible, we preach the Word of God. If you have children right now that are in our Sunday school classes, they're hearing Scripture. They're hearing a Bible story. They're memorizing a verse. They're singing songs that contain Scripture verses. We dig into Jesus. He is, he is the, the foundation of our faith. So we study His Word. Whether it's in a community group, whether it's in a Sunday morning, we're passionate about knowing God through His Word, and we're passionate about the people of Green Tree knowing God through His Word. Because that is primarily how he has revealed himself to us in our generation. So just kind of being attached to a church, so to speak, is not the end of the story of digging in. We want to dig into the Lord Jesus himself. We want to dig into his word. And I've asked uh, one of my newer friends, Scott and Liz Olson, their family have been at the church for a little over a year. I've asked Scott to share a little bit with you this morning about digging in based on an email that he sent me about four months ago about what God was doing in his life. So Scott, thanks for being willing to come and talk a little bit about digging in. Thanks, Tom. Just going to read something real quick. So, good morning, Green Tree. Oh, thank you. So, my name is Scott Olson, and me and my family have been attending Green Tree for a little over one year. I've always considered myself a Christian and believed in Jesus, but I think my eyes and heart were opened about the truth and the power of the gospel since we've been coming here. For years, I was confused by the notion that sin in my life could keep me from entering the kingdom of heaven. If I could just do a little better, I could slide in the pearly gates when he wasn't looking. Maybe I could give a little more money to the needy. Perhaps I could count to 10 before I speak. Or maybe I could wear my WWJD bracelet, if you all remember those. I was concerned that I would meet my creator on judgment day and he would laugh. Seriously, you think you're getting in here? Clearly, my understanding of the gospel was flawed. It wasn't until my relationship with Green Tree began to grow that I realized that my salvation is not something that I can earn or lose. It has to do with God's free gift of eternal life through faith in Christ. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2.8, which Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift from God. What Jesus did on the cross made me righteous and justified in the eyes of God through his son. The blood shed on the cross covers my sin, past, present, and future. To state otherwise says that what Christ did on the cross wasn't good enough, and that the grace extended to me is only sufficient for certain sins or only for a certain period of time. This couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus took all of my sins, slapped them on the cross, and said, it is finished. Green Tree, through its teachings and resources, have helped me realize that I am saved, not by my own doing, but by God's free gift of grace. From the first time we walked into Green Tree, we were greeted by wonderful people that gave us a warm welcome. Since then, we were put into a couple small group, have been prayed for on multiple occasions, and I have personally met some friends, I, personally I've met some people I call friends rather than people that I just go to church with. Through Green Tree's teachings, strong commitment to helping me grow in my faith and realizing and having multiple resources for my family to be engaged, we have, found, we have found a church home. We have been invited into people's homes to have summer barbecues, to go to swimming parties, to have women's and men's Bible studies, to eat tri-tip steaks, you know who you are, and the list goes on. So I simply wanted to give a brief testimony 
to my own experience at Green Tree and the vision I believe Green Tree is bringing to its members and guests. If you are looking to grow in your faith or learn more about Jesus, buckle up because this church will make it happen. If we could all bow our heads real quick in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you humbled and in need of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your son and for his sacrifice. Thank you for Green Tree. I ask that you continue to humble me and make me more Christ-like. Please continue to let this church be a place where people can hear the gospel, grow in their faith, and have a community to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just one point of clarification. We didn't put them in a group. You go in that group and you stay over there. We, <laughs> we invited them to be part of, our, of a group. Um, what I love about what Scott said is what he really talked about was the word of God. Uh, I know he, he gives credit to Green Tree and he heard it here, but uh, the, the glory belongs to God. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not sure I believe that. And that, that just may be that guy's opinion of, of who God is. Um, we want to be very clear at Green Tree. We don't preach people's opinions because they don't count for anything. Um, what Scott said is, is straight out of Scripture. Now, you can choose to agree or disagree with, with Scripture, but what Scott said is what the Bible teaches us. It talks about the love of God. It talks about the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus. It talks about how we access that by faith, not by effort, and that God's love for us is unconditional. And that's, I mean, I, I look forward to Sundays partially because I get to see you guys and hang out with you guys, but also because I, I know what I get to talk about is truly uh, an amazing thing. Uh, we truly serve an amazing God. And so that's where we want to dig in. The more we know him, the more we know his word, the more our, our seed planting efforts will be blessed. So that's the first one. The second one is branch out. So what happens as you dig in? Well, the, 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 the branch comes out of the ground, the, the trunk comes out of the ground, leaves begin to appear on the tree, and, and fruit begins to, to come out. So branching out really has to do with being connected to Christ and then relating to others. So Jesus says to his disciples the night before he went to the cross, he wanted to remind them that he's the vine, that we're the branches. If we abide in him and he abides in us, he, we will bear much fruit because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So we are his representatives, but our life comes out of him. You break a branch off of, of the main vine, it's going to die. If you cut a vine off in, in mid-vine and you leave it there, you come back a couple weeks later, it's continued to grow and move all around your, you know, what your, your garden or wherever you're trying to you know, uh, get rid of the vine. As long as we're attached to the vine, the impact is not only going to be that we understand him better and, and have a deeper affection and love for him, but it also means that we're going to become outward focused. Because that's the heart of God. The heart of God is never about what God gets for himself. The heart of God is about saving and redeeming the lost. The Jesus coming to earth is about branching out. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And if we're about anything at all at Green Tree, we must be about branching out. Sometimes that happens together as we nurture for one another, as we care for one another, as we love one another. But it also includes impacting our community. It also includes understanding that in Kirkwood and Glendale, the pair and Rock Hill and Baldwin and the surrounding communities, there are lots of people that don't know Jesus. There are lots of folks that are lost. And God's called us to dig into Christ in order that we can attach ourselves to the vine so that we make a difference. And when that happens, 
the Father's glorified. How is the Father glorified? By us bearing fruit. What is fruit? It's more people coming to Christ. It's the growth of the kingdom of God. So one of the questions that I have to ask myself is, what impact does my relationship with Jesus have on my relationship with you? What impact does my relationship with Jesus have on my friends who don't know Christ? What relationship does my relationship with Jesus, what impact does that have on total strangers that I might meet walking down the street? How is it causing me to branch out? So my second friend, I've known a little bit longer than than a year or two. Bill and I have known each other quite a while. I mentioned Bill last Sunday because he's the guy that's organizing the the welcome desk for the children's ministry. Uh, But Bill has had kind of a new experience in his life uh, in this notion of branching out. So I asked him to come and share with you for a few minutes. Good morning. Uh, I've been at Green Tree 15 years, and when I came to Green Tree 15 years ago, uh, branching out in service wasn't even on my radar. But over these 15 years, uh, experiencing good pastors, good teachers, and being befriended by good Christian men, my heart started to change. And I didn't realize how much until last year uh, during Mission Sunday when uh, Catherine Shaw talked about her ministry for the homeless. And when I heard her speak, I knew that was something that I wanted to do. Um, Catherine's uh, ministry involves uh, collecting donations during the week, and then we take donations and uh, things that we purchased to downtown St. Louis on Saturday morning and find homeless people and distribute distribute them uh, to them. Uh, Sometimes we see people once or twice, Uh, Sometimes we see people for a while and they go away and come back. Sometimes we actually establish relationships with people. And I've had a couple uh, aha learning experiences with two people that I met, and I wanted to uh, share those with you this this morning. Uh, One of the groups that we supported uh, was a group that was living in a warehouse down on uh, 2nd and Gratiot. And um, one of the members of the group, I'll call him Max, was the uh, leader of the group. And what uh, Max and Catherine taught me is that uh, every single human being that you come in contact with is an opportunity for kindness. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Um, Max was the protector of the uh, warehouse. He set the rules, he would uh, chase out riffraff that were gonna hurt the people. Uh, He set work jobs for everyone, Um, but I didn't like Max. Um, I didn't trust him. I thought he was mean. Uh, I just didn't like him. It was uh, kind of a, uh, uh, we just didn't hit it off. So we kept on uh, supporting the people of the warehouse, and then it came to our attention that Max was uh, selling some of the donations that we had and and given to him and was uh, using the money to buy crack and alcohol. Well, my reaction is we got to cut this guy off. We don't take donations. We don't spend our money so uh, somebody can buy crack and drink alcohol. It was, it was for me, it was kind of testosterone here, kindness here. So, <laughs> but luckily, Catherine, with her her wisdom and kind heart, said, "Bill, uh, that's not the way that we minister to people." She said, what you need to do is find a way that you're comfortable with 
in ministering to Max uh, that, that he has less opportunity to uh, sell the donations that, that uh, we have and, and buy drugs. So we did. Uh, I started cutting Max's hair. I did Max's laundry every other week. We put locks around the warehouse so that people could leave during the day um, and, not, and not worry about having their, their things stolen. So, again, every single person that we come in contact with every day is an opportunity for kindness. It's just that sometimes it takes, sometimes it's a little bit harder. Um, another aha moment came when I met someone on the other end of the scale. Uh, his name is Jerry. Jerry is my favorite. Uh, Jerry, we found living under a bridge uh, close to the, to the warehouse. Um, but in the uh, springtime, Jerry moves to Keener Plaza and lives in that little alcove uh, next to uh, Calico's. And what Jerry taught me is that the dignity of a person is not defined by his present circumstances. Um, we bought Jerry a, uh, a box to put a box to put uh, his uh, everything that he owns in. So he locks that uh, to a pole down by uh, Keener Plaza so it doesn't get stolen. Jerry does some uh, panhandling, but what Jerry would rather do would, would be work uh, and do some work for a living. So what Jerry does is uh, wash taxis. Uh, that park on the northeast corner of uh, Keener Plaza for uh, $5. So one day, I thought I'd go down and help Jerry wash taxis. And before we started, Jerry said, you know, it's important to me that I do a good job. It's important to me that the taxi is done right and that people don't think that I'm ripping them off for $5. And when I get done, I want to look at that taxi and, and say that, ta that job was really well done. And probably the rest of the sentence, which he kept in his head, was, so, Bill, let's not mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't mess it up and uh, made it through the morning without getting fired. Um, and uh, on my way home, I, I indeed thought, here's Jerry, everything in a box, locked to a pole, living on the street on, down on Keener Plaza, but it's important to him that uh, he do a really good job and be seen as somebody who can, can work and, and work well. So I am uh, grateful uh, that the Lord changed my heart for service, and I'm grateful for a lot of faces that I see out there that uh, help me do that. So I thank you. Could you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for bringing me to Green Tree and for all those who have befriended me and for your power to use them to soften my service heart. I know there are many, many more in our congregation who serve you gladly and branch out in your name. Please continue to touch their hearts and support their efforts with your love. I ask also, Father, that you open the eyes of everyone here and give them insight into how they may branch out in your name. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
there are a lot of ways you can branch out. Um, I really uh, appreciate and respect what God's doing in Bill's life. Uh, that isn't for everybody at Green Tree, but for every disciple of Green Tree, there is a way to branch out. Uh, whether it's working with folks here in Kirkwood or downtown, whether it's teaching our children Sunday school, uh, whether it's just sharing uh, the gospel with a friend, the Lord calls us uh, to that. So we got really excited uh, about Dig In and Branch Out. And just one quick editorial note on Branch Out. I think the greatest risk we face in the next year to two years is forgetting that part of it. I don't think we're going to struggle so much with, with branching out Green Tree's never struggled with living it up. That's never been an issue at, at Green Tree. We, we've always uh, done that well. But it would be very easy for us to see moving home as kind of the end-all, be-all and make it about us and make it about how glad we are to be in our new building, which we paid for with our hard-earned money. And, yeah, it would be nice if folks came and saw it. But, you know, now we can all kind of take a deep breath and relax. That, that is something I pray against every day. And I pray that God would never let us lose our passion for branching out. Because it really is, is, a, is, is a benchmark of our congregation, really individually, even more than collectively. I hear stories all the time from people. Let me tell you what somebody at your church did for me. And we must, we must, we must guard that outward focus uh, with all of our hearts. So digging in and branching out. And then we came to the last part. The last part of the tagline, which is live it up. And we were, we were sitting in a conference room when we were looking at this over at the office. And one of our elders, Steve Hughes, was with us. And he was helping us. And there were several of us on staff looking at it. And we all kind of started looking around the room like a bunch of third graders who, who maybe thought they were in trouble. They had done something that they shouldn't have done, but they weren't quite sure. You know, is it, is it really okay for Christians to live it up? I mean, is it really okay for Christians to, you know, kind of have a good time? Uh, can we actually really say that? I mean, this is, this is church after all. We need to, you know, act like church. And the more we thought about it, at first we kind of started to get real uneasy. And I said, guys, well, hold on a second. If we can't have fun, then nobody can have fun. If Christians can't rejoice, if Christians can't celebrate, then nobody can celebrate. Because what the world defines as celebrating is not celebrating. You know, whether you, you know, go with the tagline, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, or, you know, drink all the beer you can because you only go around once in life, whatever. Put, put in that blank anything you want to. All that's doing is numbing the pain. That's not bringing any answers. That certainly isn't celebrating the reality of new life that is ours in Christ. And so we came to the verse in John chapter 10 where Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have it to its fullest measure. Have it to where, literally, if you're, you're pouring something in a cup and it's overflowing. That's the notion that Jesus gives there. So it isn't just about having a good time, right? It isn't just about all of my life being simple and easy and void of pain. I can, I can only live it up, you know, when I've, when I've had a few drinks, so to speak. But rather, living it up is knowing that the foundation of your life is secure. Knowing that, that your life and my life actually count for something in, in the grand scheme of eternity. That God is actually going to use us to change somebody's eternal destination from the wrath of God to the glorious presence of God. That we get to be part of that. And, and if you can't celebrate that, I'm really not sure what you can celebrate. And so I, at first we all kind of looked around and said, is that okay? But then we realized it's more than okay. It's actually the right thing to say. It actually sums up the other two. Because as you dig in, 
and you know Christ more, you realize his grace and his mercy. What do we say we do when we have communion on Sundays? We celebrate the Lord's Supper, right? We celebrate. Why? Because we look at this and we go, he did that for us? That, that's amazing. I'm a recipient of God's grace. That's phenomenal. Where does that go? Well, then it branches out. We go and we share that with others. We see other people come to Christ. We see God working. And what do we do? We, we, we live it up. We celebrate. But it doesn't mean that life's simple. And it doesn't mean that life's easy. And it doesn't mean that life has no pain. So before we close the sermon, uh, I've asked uh, Heather Kelly if she would come and talk about living it up from a very unique perspective. So I want you to listen to her words carefully. Heather, thanks for sharing with us this morning. Good morning. A little more nerve-wracking than I anticipated. Um, So, um, live it up. I know it's an interesting choice that I would be up here to speak on life. But you see, we had been living. My husband, Brian, and my two boys had been living pretty darn well for the past few years. We were going and doing and going and doing. Nothing extraordinary, really. Church, school, sports, jobs. We didn't even have an instrument the kids played or any extracurriculars other than whatever the sports season brought. But man, we were running hard. I know you guys are right there also. It's a life full of good things. Youth group, quality education, fulfilling employment. It can take up most of your living. But it all seemed right and good and okay and what we should be doing, so we kept on. Then somehow our life kind of fell apart in a pretty spectacular way. Within three months of each other, I was diagnosed with invasive breast cancer, and our youngest son was diagnosed with epilepsy. In my mind, I review the numbers. 16 rounds of chemo for mom and two 911 calls on child. Somehow, seemingly overnight, we found ourselves facing life or death situations. Our living was gonna have to look different. First things first, we are not forsaken. Not for a minute, not for a second, not for one breath. Jesus is walking so closely to us. I'd forgotten this kind of intimacy with Christ. He is so present. Not for one second do I think that he's challenging us with illness or testing our strength and faith. I also don't think that God has given us these battles because we are strong and able. I think he's hurting with us, improving to be the magnificent friend that he has promised. His word is more intimate, his peace and his presence more palpable. The promise of our eternity in heaven is so much more precious. There really is the probability that Jake and I will be fine. We will continue on earth for many long, happy, healthy years. There's also the chance that we will not be as okay as we hope. The promise, the reality of heaven in a lifetime of forever with our creator sustains me. It makes an impossible situation okay because I know that his word is true. Secondly, (laughs) look at that shaking, my goodness. (laughs) Secondly, our life has been redefined. We've seen the hearts of people that surround us and I have to tell you something, they are beautiful. We have experienced acts of generosity that will forever change the way we live our lives. We've been deeply and wonderfully changed by the example of love that's been set before us. Already we are allowing it to affect our decisions and how we relate to people. Our focus has been shifted, moving ourselves and our needs from the number one spot. 
and being freed to give way more generously of any resource we may have. It's liberating and it is freeing. Third, we've had a flash forward to the end of the story. This won't be shocking to you, but we all have a finite time here on earth. Life is short, life is precious. We hear that, we read it on cards, we know that. But sometimes maybe we don't really get it. We certainly were not. In all of our living, we wasted too many minutes on self-inflicted worry and anxiety. Bills, home improvement projects, coordinating outfits for the kids, the dog's flea allergy. Then, <laughs> all of a sudden, we were put in a position but where we had no choice but to focus on the needs of each day as presented. Here's what happened. Every single need was met, just like Jesus promised. We almost couldn't think of a physical need without the provision occurring. This wasn't a result of our fervent prayers and mighty faith. Quite frankly, we were paralyzed. Yet, God saw our hearts. He knew our pain, our fear, our needs, and he walked with us so closely. Close enough that in the darkest moments, I became aware of this gift of intimacy with Christ. This treasure that accompanied the hardest gift time of our lives. I knew that when all this was over, I would profoundly miss this gift of every breath connecting me to God. Our community, our village, you all, became the hands and feet of Christ. You did such a good job of loving us. You helped us to be okay because you were also walking with our Lord and doing what he asked of us, to love each other and to honor him by helping those around us. So, more shaking. <laughs> so, because of that, we were able to live to live and breathe in a way that we haven't in years. I stopped stressing about the dishes and we sat around after dinner and talked. Brian worked less on the house on Saturdays because he knows now the house will be here tomorrow. If not our house, another house. The physical dwelling will be provided, but sometimes your wife gets cancer and with that you gain a freedom to spend less time laboring and more time just having a cold drink together on the driveway. We stopped avoiding hard conversations and talk things through things so our relationship would be more complete. We laugh easier and we look at our awesome kids with wonder. We became better about reading the Bible to our boys and praying with them. You see, when you really know the end of the story, it becomes more clear what you need to do to fill in the pages. Live, love, love your God, love your kids, love your parents and friends and neighbors and pastors and all of the people that are in your life to help you on this journey. Be it a fantastic ride or a heartbreaking journey, live it up. Now we're supposed to pray. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'd like to pray with you guys now. Dear Jesus, thank you. God, we just, we love you so much. And you promised in your word, Lord, two things keep coming to me, that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And that's awesome. And God, you also promised that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so I pray that today, that every person in here would go forward with your joy being our strength, that that would be what we could rely on and present. Lord, I thank you for the way that people have loved us and allowed us to be okay because they're following your word. We love you so much, God. Pray for safety and health and protection and that we would live lives worthy of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.